Lots of things are better together. Hockey, food, golf. How about a cold one on the patio during a nice spring day? But if you really want to take things to the next level, drink some Labatt Blue Lights with your friends and live life to the power of we. Always enjoy responsibly. Beer, Labatt USA, Buffalo, New York. You're listening to DraftKings Network. This is the GM Shuffle. The day of Kansas City just showing up and blowing people out, I think are over with based on this current team. I think, look, the two teams we witnessed yesterday, Philadelphia and Kansas City, both Super Bowl teams, they're not the same teams that they were last year. You're listening to the GM Shuffle with Michael Lombardi, presented by DraftKings and VSIN. Here is Femi Abebefe. Welcome to another edition of the GM Shuffle with Michael Lombardi, presented by DraftKings and Visa. And I'm your host, Femi Abebefe. As always, make sure to subscribe, rate, and review wherever you get your podcasts. Our producer, Elliot Bowman, with us on the ones and twos. Michael, what a day it was in the National Football League. A lot to react wow. to. I'm curious to see what your phone looks like. Were the text messages flowing? Not a thing. Sunday, not a thing? Not a thing. <laughs> he, com- he loved the fact that LaFuck had a new haircut. I got that text to start it off. <laughs> But not a thing ever. Like all, I didn't hear one thing about draft picks. I didn't hear one thing about Goot screwing everything up. I didn't hear one thing about their bad offense and love. Nothing. Not a thing. It went whispers. Mm. I mean, well, what could he complain about? I mean, his team just beat Detroit. His team just beat Kansas City in consecutive weekends. I mean, like, and and there's. I've been getting asked this quite a bit. Like everybody wants to know who Big Daddy is. Big Daddy is my cousin Vince. No relation to the real Vince Lombardi. He and I grew up together. We're the same age. He was a Packer fan. So was I. When Lombardi left the Packers in 68 to go to Washington, he stayed a Packer fan. I then became a Washington Redskins fan. It had been one up until the day I got hired by the 49ers. So we've kind of always, he loves the and has loved the Packers forever. But he really doesn't. I mean, look, I bitch about the 76ers, right? Yep. I bitch about them. But, I mean, I bitch based on what objective bitching. He just bitches to bitch. I mean, he's no good. This receiver's no good. I mean, like Vince, they got a pretty good defensive front. Now, I mean, who? You know, he's been picking on the kid they drafted from Georgia. He picks on everybody. You know, it's like nobody's good enough. And then he thinks that for some reason he thinks that the game should be 49 to nothing. Like he has this college mentality when it comes to the pro game. Like every game is decided by three or four points. You know, and uh, every time there's a bad play, oh, LaFuck must – and in any game, LaFuck must have designed that. LaFuck must have – they stole that from LaFuck. You know, it's like – but last night, whispers. Not a goddamn thing. Couldn't Crickets. hear a word from him. <laughs> Crickets. That is unbelievable. And everybody's asking me, like, what did he big that is? He says – because if he can't complain, life isn't good. I mean, seriously, the man loves – nobody loves to complain more than he does. And his favorite line is, we'll see. Meaning that, you know, even if it looks good today – He'll complain about it tomorrow. Will the will see line is like the remember when line from the Sopranos. Uh-huh. It's basically the lowest form of conversation. It's the second lowest form. We'll see. You know, it's like you don't want to acknowledge it, so we'll just say we'll see. It's like people say Brock Purdy sucks. He's a seventh rounder. And he should be, and then I say, Well, he should be the MVP. Well, we'll see. I mean, and you won't you, you're not going to give in to it. And then when he throws an interception, you're going to complain to me that he's not the MVP. Meanwhile, Tua, OK, you know, Tua, it, we never have to see with Tua. He's just automatically the MVP, even when he throws the ball. I mean, that catch that Tyreek Hill makes on the on the bad throw where he's got to pivot his body, look like Willie Mays at center field and tracks it down. Well, that's a whole other game. I mean, that game mm-hmm. plan by Ron Rivera. Oh my God! We'll get into that. anyway. <laughs> I don't want to get into that. But 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 that the we'll see comment. We'll see. We'll see. Well, what the f- what is we'll see? Like you you know like okay, you're building this house. We'll see how the house turns out. Like seriously, that's why I say to you. You know, you're in construction. You're building homes. Like we'll see how it turns out. Do you think the buyer wants to say you to tell them we'll see? Like you think that invokes any confidence? <laughs> I wouldn't imagine so, but uh, Big Dad, I don't know why he's, he's he should have known this was coming. He's got Mr. December on his sideline. Matt LaFleur, 16-0 yeah. in the month of December. They were talking about it on the broadcast last night. And, and we're going to get him on the pod. We're I mean, we get, get him we on the ha- pod. I we promise. absolutely have to. I promise you, we will. he will make a cameo appearance on the pod. There's no question about that, you know. 
and he'll come in with his facts from Yahoo, which is what he reads. You know, he's got, you want to go political. He's got that too. Oh, there's okay. nothing, there's nothing he can't get to. There's really, he's the jeopardy champion. <laughs> a man who knows everything, <laughs> a little bit, something about everything, but in all serious, no, uh, the Packers, a really oh, impressive, really? impressive performance. And it started from the get-go, red zone efficiency. Like, they were able to punch those two touchdowns in from the red zone. The Chiefs settled for field goals. And that kind of set the tempo for the game there as Green Bay. It was a really impressive performance there. Now they've won three straight games beating the defending world champions. Look, I mean, we, we know Mahomes struggles to make pl explosive plays. I mean, his longest pass play was 26, 27 yards, right? You know, and... You know, I know they didn't call the pass interference. I mean, look, the officiating every game, it's horrendous. I think you could make the case. I, I don't know if you saw the Cleveland, if you were watching the Cleveland Ram game. They, I had to sound off. But they mm -hmm. called a false start on Cleveland on third and one that I never saw. Did yeah. you see that? Did you make that well, play? My gripe with that was that it should have been first and ten. I got that they, they got the spot wrong. It was like, and it was third, and they call it third and inches, and then they put the false start. It gave them a third and six, and then it was. But I never was, saw like, the false yeah, start. I didn't, see it, yeah. I didn't see it, but anyway, it doesn't matter. But like the officiating, look, I, I think Kansas City's problems are if they don't bring their A game, which they didn't do last night defensively, they're going to be in. They're going to be in battles all the time. The day of mm -hmm. Kansas City just showing up and blowing people out, I think are over with based on this current team. Can they still win? Yeah. I think, look, the two teams we witnessed yesterday, Philadelphia and, San and, and Kansas City, both Super Bowl teams, one won, one loss, they're not the same teams that they were last year. They're just not, you know. And, you know, some of that is due to injury. Some of that's just due to other teams maybe improving themselves. But, you know, for me, you know, and when Andy recalls basically 20 runs, you know, and he gains almost 150 yards, average at six yards a carry, you know, I mean, that's kind of – he's going to have to recalibrate this team. And their defense, I didn't think – that was the worst they played all year on defense. Yeah, it, it was. It felt like the Packers, those first two drives were just boom, 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 right down the field. And then when the Kansas City Chiefs defense needed to get a stop in that fourth quarter, they couldn't do it. The fourth and one, which was kind of almost like a prayer that Jordan Love threw to Romeo Dobbs there. Oh and he's God. able to catch that. I was like, like when he threw that, that ball, was like, I was like, my oh my day God. yesterday. <laughs> that was like my betting day. You know, my betting day yesterday was horrendous. I was 0 for 3 against Russo. He's one Throw game ahead of me. I, I, wanted to, I wanted to kill my – I mean, how do you lose a game – the Colts game, I lose that game. They blocked. How do you get two punts blocked in a game? How do you do that? How do you do that? You know, I mean, you could sit here and cry and you could sit, you know, as you know, being a handicapper all your, you know, doing this for so long, it's hard. You know, there's some games you miss handicap, but there's also some games that you just had no luck in. And, you know, that was a luck play. Green Bay, that was a huge luck play. Yeah, that fourth and one was a massive play there, uh, converting that with Romeo Dobbs. But Jordan Love, he's been playing some good football as of late. Yeah. We talked about it after Thanksgiving, what he was able to do against the Lions. Now over the last three games, 857 yards, eight touchdowns, no interceptions, and they've won all three of those games. Do you see, like, he seems like he's turned the corner. We wanted to see it against tougher competition defensively, and he proved it once again last night. I think his, he's really improved his accuracy, right? I mean, he's limited. Now, he still has some bad throws. Let's not, let's not kid ourselves. But he, he has improved his on-target percentage, which was in the low 60s early in the season. Now it's up to 68, which is huge. Now it needs to get to 70, 73, 74. Some quarterbacks are in the 80s. That's when you're doing really good. You know, his bad throws are still at 16.2%. But they have seemed to have cut back on him. You know, and, and I think that, in, you know, Big Daddy won't agree with this, but the floor's done a good job of getting the ball to, this, to these skill guys, Reed. And, I mean, they've got really good young talent. Reed, Watson, now he went out with a hamstring. Yeah. But, I, you know, I mean, Dobbs, they're good at receiver. They're explosive. They're being well coached. I mean, I think when you look, you know, one of the things we never talk about is coaching of receivers, right? The development of receivers. It's one of the great strengths of Pittsburgh. They just don't find third-round receivers. They all coach the hell out of them, right? Mm -hmm. I think Philly's done – I mean, Kansas – excuse me. Green they've Bay. done a great job in yeah. Green Bay of coaching these receivers, and they've been very pr productive for them. I mean, you know, when you break it down, you know, that they are making plays, making explosive plays, and they're not – and their success rate – you know, they're not throwing the ball. Like Musgrave, he's not played. But his success rate was only 48%.
tight ends usually are in the 70s, right? That means you're catching the ball that's thrown to you, success rate. They only have one receiver with a 50% success rate, and that's Watson. So those numbers have gone up too. I mean, remember earlier in the year, I mean, the, the, the Aaron Jones success rate of catching passes, target to catches, is only 36.7. Every running back should be in the 70s. Mm-hmm. It, it should be because it's high school. You should be able to make those throws. It's like New England. You, if you can't make that throw, the throws that New England has, and then you just can't make any throws. And that's the problem with New England's offense. They can't make any throws. They need not even high school throws. Yeah. Packers now over at our show sponsor, DraftKings, minus 230 to make the playoffs. Like, that was a massive win for them in terms of those playoff implications based on what else happened around the NFC. They're the Rams, I know, in the mix as well. But the Packers have the tiebreaker over the Rams, having beat them uh, a few weeks ago. I mean, well, think about it. They got the Giants next week. They can't, you know, they'll Tyrod Taylor will be the starter. It'll be a different game, but they match up well against the Giants, assuming the weather's good. They got Tampa at home. I think that's a game they can win. They got to go to Carolina. It's another game they can win. I mean, they could be nine and six when they go up to to the Metrodome to play the Vikings, and then they end the season against Chicago at home. So, yeah, I mean, I think there's a good case to be made. They can win five of the next – they can win four of the next five. That puts it ten wins. Mm -hmm. I mean, look – Here's what you don't realize is they're, they're the sixth best third down offense in football. That's crazy. The sixth best third down offense in football. When you're good on third down, and that comes from the quarterback. I mean, his, he's increased his percentage of a completion. He's up over 60. He's at 61-3, which is low for a league, but it's improved. Based on what you've seen over the last month, and I'm sure we'll have this conversation more as we get into the postseason and all that stuff as we get closer to that. But, I mean, how many quarterbacks in the NFC do you want before Jordan Love? Like, I don't want to get too crazy with this thing, but obviously, like, you have, like, Hurts and Dak and Purdy and all these. Like, but after those three, I mean, I guess you could put Goff into that category as well. And well, maybe I, G- like, I think I think the question you have to ask, Femi, isn't how he compares to the players in the league, is how could they improve based on his based on him i think that's the fundamental question how could you improve who's out there that's better than him and can you get him right who's out there that's better than him and can we acquire his services that's how you have to look at every player on your roster you know especially at the quarterback position you know and and he's played so well it's hard to you know, it's really hard to say, well, we're going to take, we got to trade up to go get, you know, uh, Drake May or Caleb Williams. I mean, how much better are they going to be? I think that's the fun. That's what Goot's got to do. And I'm sure Big Daddy will spend time on this too, you know, uh, deciding on who's actually better, if they are actually better. You think Michael Penix is better than what Love's doing? I'm a Husky fan, and I don't think so. I think Love has been pretty damn good over this month, though. We'll talk about those upper echelon NFC quarterbacks on the other side. Purdy against Hurts. We saw it yesterday next here on the GM Show. The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. With same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more, don't miss out as the NBA postseason winds down. I mean, these second-round playoffs have been unreal, and we have the conference finals now on the horizon. Make sure you get all those futures bets in before the value disappears. And if you're new to DraftKings, you got to check this out. New customers bet 5 bucks to get 150 in bonus bets in. Instantly, download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code SHUFFLE. That's code SHUFFLE for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just 5 bucks. only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available. For problem gambling, call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please pay responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas. 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. (laughs) 
the statement win of the week, maybe the statement win of the season last night at the City of Brotherly Love as the 49ers beat the Philadelphia Eagles 42-19. to The Niners outgained them eight yards per play, and it was interesting the way the game started. San Francisco goes three and out, three and out, and then it was touchdown, 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 end of game. Niners run away with it. I mean, it was, uh, you know, the early part of the game when Philly seemed fresh. Uh, you know, their front looked like, okay, they're, they're back to being their front from last year. And then, you know, they couldn't score in the red zone, and then it just got ugly. It got ugly mm-hmm. like it did in Jacksonville on the road, 34-3. to They beat Jacksonville. It did against home against Dallas, 42-10. to They win that game. I mean, look, you know, they've, I know they lost three games this year, but you can the, – the Browns game, if Moody makes the kick, they win that game. Yep. Okay, so they win that, you know, and, and that happens during the season. Minnesota – and the Bengals, it really came down to them turning the ball over. I mean, they gained 460 yards against a bad Bengal defense. For them to only score 17 points against that bad Bengal defense was bad. So, for me, you know, they were they were everything we thought they would be and then some. And Philly was everything we thought they might be in terms of exhausted, the battle scars of the last three weeks. And, and San Francisco took tremendous advantage of it. But I think the big, bigger story as we spin this forward is the issues in Philadelphia. You know, I said last week on the pod that they are a, the Super Bowl hangover team for 50 minutes and 10 minutes they're a Super Bowl champion. But there are issues in Philadelphia. There's no question. Defensively, they're not nearly as good as they were last year. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, they, they, cannot, they cannot get off the field. They're the worst third-down team in football. They're the 28th worst third down uh, red zone team. They cannot stop the forward pass. I mean, they just they just cannot stop it. They've given up. They rank 30th in passing attempts against them. They rank 32nd. They rank 30th in yards against them. 31st in touchdown passes against them. Wow. They don't intercept the ball. They're 24th in that category. I mean, they are bad in every area in the passing game. When they play against good passing teams with good receivers, it's going to be a problem. And then when you factor in their offense, which isn't the same as they were last year in terms of running the ball, they still they're, they're, they averaged 32 rushes last year. This year they're down to 30. They averaged 4.1 yards a carry this year. Last year they averaged 4.6. But where I think you see the difference in this team is their inability to dominate the second quarter. This year they fall behind by 50 points in second quarter differentiation. Mm-hmm. Last year they were 100 and plus 118. They scored 206 points in the second quarter last year alone. This year they can't. They can't get control of the game early like they did last year, which affects everything else. Yeah, no, it feels like the team has been playing on their heels for quite a bit. I mean, I think it's been five consecutive games, Michael, where they've been trailing at halftime. Yeah. Like, like that's not the Eagles that we grew to know and love no. from a season ago. Like, they're not able to impose their will because they're playing catch-up. They're saying, hey, we got to put on our Superman capes and go ahead and get back into this football game. And you give them credit over the last month. They had been able to do that against some elite competition, but it kind of just blew up in their faces in this game because as you talked about it, we talked about it on the Lombardi line uh, yesterday – like you, you can't play from behind against this Niners team. They're too physical. Mm-hmm. They're too good, and they come downhill at you. And that's what the Eagles. That was a predicament they found themselves in yesterday. Now, well, they make too many plays. I mean, they got five skill players yeah. that are blue chip. I mean, you got to cover every one of them. Could go to another team and be the number one guy. And so when they put five into the route, it's like they put five legitimate players into a route. And McCaffrey, like I've said before, is the luxury item in this offense. He's the one that, you know, he's got the sizzle to him. Whereas if he were on another team, it would not look as good because he would have to be the driving force of that team. And this team, he's the, he's the, the perfect complement to everybody else's mm-hmm. game. And I, and I said this on the show on Saturday. I mean, Brock Purdy, at some point, will the guy get some credit? I mean, what more does Brock Purdy have to do for people to say, you know, this guy's really – he's no longer a seventh-round pick? Yeah, well, it's funny. I was listening to the broadcast of the game there, and it was at the midway point. might have been the second or third quarter, one of the two, and the Niners had started to get rolling, and they were actually talking about Christian McCaffrey for MVP, which is like yeah. that's like that in its sense is like it, it goes to show you what you're talking about here is where everyone's looking to credit every Shanahan, McCaffrey, Debo, everybody Debo else was on, everybody else. How but do Purdy. you say McCaffrey should be the MVP <laughs> when 60 miles down the road or 90 miles 
Tyreek Hill's tilt in the field. Uh, Tyreek like is if, ridiculous. If you're going to give it to a non-quarterback, there's only one guy to give it to. I think McCaffrey's great. Hmm. You can make the case for Debo, too, because Debo on the field, he tilts the field. I don't think I've seen a guy as big as Debo, as physical as Debo, that gets to the acceleration point as quickly as Debo does. Mm-hmm. It's remarkable, right? So, like, you tell me one non-quarterback that should be in this conversation, and, and McCaffrey's going to be behind him. If you're paying attention to the league, like, Tyreek Hill is the most disruptive player and tilts the field in this league. There's no debating it. The, th- the catch he makes on the bad throw by Tua where he circles around and Willie mazes it for a touchdown. I mean, I don't know what Rivera was thinking or what he was doing, but to play man coverage against him, whoa, you deserve to give up 45. I, I don't see how that's a debate. Brock Purdy deserves this. And what, what was the – we said this on Saturday. His odds yep. were 11-1. to 1. What are they now? Three to one now. So he goes from eleven to one to now three to one at DraftKings. Now a co-favorite with Dak Prescott to win League MVP. You know, we together we had Baldy on the show, and and I asked Baldy the question, you know, uh, about this. We'll play the tape here because I think his perspective of watching all these guys is important. Baldy, who's your MVP for the league this so far after th- thirteen week thirteen? Who would you vote for for the MVP of the league? Well, I saw Brock Purdy throw a perfect game the other day against Tampa, Mike. I was out there for that. I mean, it's kind of hard to look at Brock Purdy and say, how does anybody better than this guy? You're preaching to the choir. I agree. I mean, if people will stop saying that the guy's a seventh-round pick and just watch him play, we might actually – he might get some MVP votes. But I agree. I don't know what more the guy has to do. I don't know what he has to do to get some respect out of people. Like, the guy's good. The guy is really good. And his accuracy is elite. It's it's at a level where we're going to see it tomorrow. Even in the rain, it'll be good. Mike, I, look, I don't want to make any comparisons, but you were in San Francisco when Joe Montana got drafted. You saw him up yeah. close right away. That was Brian Baldinger joining us on the Lombardi line, which we encourage everybody to check out over at VEASAN, the show that Michael and I do each and every Saturday. Also, we do it on Sundays as well. But Brian Baldinger, NFL Network analyst, is like talking about how good Purdy was. And you called him, Michael. You said, hey, you're going to see it in the rain tomorrow. I don't care. And it was 19-27, 314, four touchdowns, elite efficiency, just elite playmaking ability. And now the betting market is giving him the respect. I'm not sure if the voters will give him the respect, but the betting market giving him the respect right now is a co-favorite. Well, yeah, they have to. I mean, it's so obvious. Baldy talked about Montana. He's got Montana-like qualities to his game. You know, Montana was a third rounder. I, I, I talk about this in the book where the Bears were going to draft him and they didn't, and he goes to San Francisco. And during Joe's early career, it was always, well, he's a system player. He's a system player. No, no. You know, the system is perfect for his skill set, right? It's perfect for his skill set. It isn't the system makes him the player. Because if that were the case, Nick Mullins would still be in San Francisco. C.J. Beathard would still be in San Francisco. Brian Hoyer might still be in San Francisco. It takes talent to enhance the system. And as good as Garoppolo played for them at times, Purdy's played much better. I mean, Purdy's played much better. And, and look, they got themselves into a pickle. Credit them. I mean, think about this. The two teams that played on that field on Sunday both got into a pickle at the quarterback position. Yeah. The Eagles went ahead and paid, paid Carson Wentz a boatload of money. And after the injury, they realized it was a mistake. The 49ers traded a lot of assets to get Trey Lance. They realized it was a mistake. But credit both of them for figuring a solution out to the mistakes that they made that implemented the cap. The, 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 the Eagles cap got, was in trouble, and they got out of it because they were able to draft hurt, develop hurt, all those things. Great management. Same thing in San Francisco. You can blame them and get mad about the mistake they made, but they recognize the problem, right? I think if you're going to criticize any teams, New England, when you watch Mac Jones this summer or you watch Bailey Zappi, they probably didn't have an alternative, but there should have been a movement to bring somebody else in. And it wasn't, some, it wasn't going to be Will Greer. It had to be somebody else. There's nobody out there. But you have to recognize the problem. Both those teams did, and they found solutions. Now, this season is going to allow New England to find a solution because they're going to have a first or second pick in the draft. Mm-hmm. And sometimes that's, that's a great solution to have.
Yeah, there's a lot of good young quarterbacks in college football as well. Uh, we do have a couple minutes left here in this segment. I wanted to spend a couple minutes on the ridiculousness of the Dre Greenlaw Big Dom altercation that we saw in this game. Like again, that's out of his movie. Like, like what are we? What's going on with there? Uh, for those who didn't watch, obviously Dre Greenlaw was called for the unnecessary roughness penalty, slamming Devontae Smith to the ground, and then head of security Big Dom for the Eagles comes up there and is pushing Dre Greenlaw. Greenlaw puts his finger in his face. Both guys get ejected. Like, I mean, this is like, like how this is Mad Libs. Like, what's going on in this game? <laughs> wow. Yeah. I mean, look, you know, the emotions were going crazy on the field. I mean, yeah. Big Dom is a huge. Let me say this about Big Dom. I don't think people realize what he does for that organization. I think his title is assistant to the GM, but the the, the role he plays within that building far exceeds the typical I'm the head of security here. It far exceeds that. And he does an incredible job. You talk to anybody who has gone through that that building and understands how that building operates, Dom is really one of the instrumental people within the building. And it's unfortunate that, that now this will live on about him poking you know, Greenlaw and, and Greenlaw getting back to him. But, you know, I mean, emotions run wild. I'm sure he's going to have to pay a price for this. I'm sure the Eagles are going to get fined for it. I mean, of course, we're going we're gonna to spend all our time researching this, but we won't research some of the horrendous calls that are costing coaches jobs. I mean, we'll be all over this shit. You know, the league will be all over this. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but let's not grade the officials. Let's not do that. No, why would we? <laughs> why would we want you know, to do why? that? We got Scott Novak tonight. Can't wait oh, for that. Five, three minutes into the game, we're going to get a flag drop. I mean, come on. Why would we? Scott Novak. Now, you're just trying to ruin my night there. Uh, this last thing on the 49ers, though, you mentioned how they were able to dominate the elite competition, Jacksonville, Dallas, and now Philadelphia. The combined score of their wins against the Cowboys and the Eagles, 84 to 29. Just yeah. absolute I mean, look, ass whoopings. Look, when you give this coach, and when he can run the football, and he can play action pass, and he's not behind in a game, and he gets the lead, he was 6 to nothing behind. If he's 14 to nothing in that game, it's a little different. Now, he, he wasn't going to panic, but it's a little different game. But they've constructed a roster that fits exactly what he wants to do. And it's really, really, it's perfect. And they just need to stay healthy. Yeah, best team in the NFC. And for my money, best team in the NFL. And we'll see what happens. Obviously, health will play a factor as we head into the stretch run and into the playoffs. But as of right now, there's not a team that I think that can beat the 49ers in a win and an advanced sort of situation. We'll get to the rest of the games on the other side. This is the GM Shuffle. Michael, I want to get into this AFC wildcard picture, but obviously yesterday was uh, some of the oh, highs man. and lows of betting, man. Like, like a lot of, really a lot of weird stuff going on yesterday. Well, I mean, you know, look, you know, I spent all week. I take a lot of pride in these in trying to beat his ass because he's so, he's so, uh, you he know, being he can't Chris wait Russo. to pat himself on <laughs> me and Christopher Russo. Friday at five o'clock, we have a little contest <laughs> that goes on. And, and so I, you know, and I want to pick three good games. And this week I really didn't have a great feel for any of the games you know, and I and I kind of narrowed it down and did all that I did. And I picked, I thought, you know, I, I kept writing in my notes, Vrabel's team's not the same. You can't go with Vrabel. But I thought Minshew playing on the road, I thought, you know, they should be able to, you know, play a competitive game and put some pressure on Minshew. And so I took Tennessee. And then when I watched the game, I mean, Levis played okay. But to me, I've never seen a quarterback like Levis who – I mean, if he if he were a shortstop turning the double play, he throws the ball in the dirt more than anybody I've ever seen. Did you yeah. did you see him? Like, yeah. there's some throws he makes here. That, that's a good throw. But I'm not sure that the, the more I watch him, that Tennessee can actually think they're going forward. I, I think what Steichen has done with Minshew has been remarkable. He really does. You know, he's been able to attack the weaknesses of the opponent. You know, they get behind 7 nothing. He's right back in the game. The game never got detached. They blocked two punts with their kicking game. You know, so, you know, I'm up by three points. I need the game because I took Pittsburgh, and Pickett gets hurt, and, you know, that thing fell apart with the weather. So I really want this game before the Browns game, and shit, I get to go up by three, can't get it in the end zone to win the game, and then they come down and throw a long pass, great throw by Minshew, and, and you lose. So – 
I think what I've learned in this is you just got to stay to the process, right? You're yeah. going to make mistakes. You're going to lose. You got to bounce back. Last week I was 3-0. and This week I'm 0-3. I'm the same person, but the games were really different, and they the ball didn't bounce anywhere. It get no breaks at all, and I'm not crying at all because last week I got you get breaks, so it all mm. evens out. Yeah, it, it, it all comes out even in the wash. That's that's how we always kind of talk about it. All you can do is maintain your process. And that yeah, Colts-Titans, that game could have gone 100 different directions. There. I mean, we had the the, the, the the punter got hurt or whatever, the the, the holder. So Ryan Tannehill's making his yeah. holding debut in this thing, and he well, kind of botches one. The punter got killed one. twice. Yeah. I mean, he got – and then we missed the extra point. He misses yeah. the extra point because of that. And he makes the field goal in overtime, which was incredible by Folk. You know, Bill Simmons texted me in the morning and said, I can't believe you're going with Joe Flacco in the Rams game. And I'm like, well, this isn't really a play for Flacco. I was playing Schwartz against McVay. Schwartz really playing the 49ers scheme well, not being able to run the ball outside. You know, my theory in handicapping the game was the Browns will play good defense. Flacco won't turn the ball over. You know, they'll be able to run the ball, build up some runs. And the way I handicapped the game was completely wrong. The Rams were able to move the football effectively against the Browns defense. And Flacco played – I mean, look, you can say you won because you bet against Flacco. That ain't the reason you won. Nope. The reason you won is because they couldn't pressure Stafford at all. They blitzed him. They did everything in their power to get pressure on him, and they couldn't get there. Miles Garrett wasn't the same player. I lost this handicap on my, my breakdown of Cleveland defense on the road because I didn't think it was going to really be a road game out there in Los Angeles. I thought it was going to be a home game for them. You know, because who thinks that that stadium's a home game forever for the Rams? So that was a that was a really bad handicap. But I thought, to me, I don't know how you felt. I thought Flacco gives the Browns hope. I actually was encouraged by Flacco. That's as good as I've seen Flacco play in a long time. I don't know if it was just because he was fresh and hadn't been hit all season. I was texting with my brother watching the game. I said, this is an upgrade. Like the Browns upgraded. Yeah. Like how many teams upgraded quarterback in December? Like that, that was an upgrade for the Browns. And I don't know what's going to happen with Dorian Thompson Robinson once he gets through the concussion protocol. But I'm like, I think you stick with Flacco based on what we saw yesterday. If they could play any kind of defense, I mean, the score is a little misleading. It's it's nine, it's 24, it's 23 to 19 or 24 to 19, and they get the ball back. And I think Kevin, they got a third and one, and they get this false start. We talked about it earlier. I didn't mm -hmm. see it. And yeah. then they go back third and five, and they throw an out over to Moore, and he doesn't hit it. And then on fourth down, they get pressure on him. And the next thing you know, now all of a sudden the Rams score, and the game just falls apart in the fourth quarter. But, you know, I mean, to me, the handicap was right. The result was wrong. And I think if you won that game because you bet against Flacco, you really didn't because the, you, what you won with is the Browns' shitty defense. I mean, they played yeah. poorly. They, they they did not cover well at all. They kept giving up the jet sweep for like 40 yards. One time it got called back for holding, but they never set the edge very well with their defense. I mean, if the Browns are going to play like that defensively, then they shouldn't. They're not going to make the playoffs. The other thing that bothered me, Femi, was the they went into this game and I think they got lured into sleep here. They went into the game with with throwing the football. I mean, they were throwing the ball a bunch. You know, they called. I mean. They only had 23 runs for the entire game. I mean, yeah. I mean, and I, th I thought they would pound the rock a little bit. You know, they had 23 runs, and, they're, and the game's 14 to 10 at the half. I think it was 14 to 10 at the half. Yeah, no, mm -hmm. it's 13 to 10 at 13, the half, 10. right? They're down three. They give up a cheat. They give up points at the end of the half. Horrible, right? Defense doesn't come. They, they run the ball only 11 times in the second half. 11 times. You know, and they, that's what to me is like for some reason they couldn't run the ball for some reason. And then the first half, they went five possessions where they just basically punted on everyone. They couldn't get anything going. It was it was a disappointing effort from uh, from Cleveland's defense. And Miles Garrett didn't even register on the stat sheet. No tackles, no, no, no pressures, no QB no. hits, nothing. It was almost as he, if he, he didn't was, play in the game. He was a non-entity. He was out yeah. there, but he really wasn't. Nobody put any pressure on the passer at all. And their coverage guys, they didn't cover at all. You know, they didn't cover very well. I mean, it was a disappointing game for the Browns in every facet. And they obviously are going to have to rely on their defense if they're going to get anywhere they want to go. How about the game in Houston? This was in the early window. Uh, I, I was incredibly fascinated by this game throughout, and it was almost like the, the the script went ahead and flipped because Denver in the five-game win streak had been winning the turnover battle. They protected the football. Other teams turned it over. And in this game, 
Russell Wilson, three interceptions. Texans, they didn't have a turnover, although there was one big play that I thought actually is what swung the game, the C.J. Stroud fumble that the Broncos did not recover because that ended up yeah. leading to a Russell Wilson interception like the next drive there. But Houston gets the win 22-17 to with the defensive stand with nine seconds to go picking off Wilson in the end zone. I mean, look, Denver has nobody to blame but themselves. They're 0 for 11 on third down. Now, they were 3 for 3 on fourth down. They went for it three times, which typically they've never done. But Denver can't play from behind. I mean, let's just be mm-hmm. clear. They're not a play-from-behind team. And when they got down 13 to nothing, they fought themselves back in. But I think what we saw on the field is exactly what they don't want to have happen. They don't want Russell to have to carry the load. And he did. And he had to. And I think when that happens, then they feel like, you know, we're in trouble. I mean, they had 30 carries for 118 yards. Wilson had to carry it 10 times. You know, and so yeah, I agree with you. I think that fumble by by Stroud was kind of got that save because they typically they had they're plus sixteen in turnover takeaways in the last on this five game win streak, plus fifteen in the last five games. So they've been so good getting the ball, they didn't get it there. Look, they they got the Chargers this week. They'll be a tough out for the Chargers. The Chargers will have a hard time beating them based on what I saw from the Chargers yesterday and where they're headed. Yeah, the, I mean, Chargers offensively, it's pretty bad. They win the game 6 nothing against the New England Patriots. I mean, that was uh, as for forgettable a game that you could watch, I think, in the NFL. Uh, and like the Patriots, I watched every bit of it. Uh, I, I watched every bit of it. I mean, it was horrible. <laughs> I mean, you yeah. know, they, they, the, the, the Patriots are not a 2020 team. They're a 2040 team. They can move the ball from 120 to the other to 40. But as soon as they get in that fringe red zone area, bad shit happens. I mean, it just is remarkable. The quarterback takes a sack. They give up pressure. They can't convert a third down. I mean, you know, look, this offense is broken. It's just not the quarterback. It's the coordination of everything. It's the lack of fundamentals and technique within the line at the receiving core. It's, it's bad. I mean, when you, don't, when you go an NFL game and don't score, look at this Patriot team. What have they given up, 40, 46 points in the last four games? Mm. Well, listen to this stat here. This was Mike Reese, who covers the Patriots for the New England, uh, covers them for the ESPN. He said that the Patriots, according to ESPN Stats and Info, are the first team since 1938 Chicago Cardinals to allow 10 points or fewer in three straight games and lose all three. Yeah, I mean, look, and they gave up 20 to the Commanders and lost that game. Yeah. I mean, since they beat Buffalo, they've given up 31, 20, 10, 10, and 6. So they've given up basically 36 points in the last three games and have lost, but they've only scored 13. And again, they turned it over. Stevenson fumbles. You know, they can't create turnovers with their defense. There's not enough team speed, and teams take it easy on you. You know, but they got off the field on third down. They can't stay on the field on third down. I mean, they can't complete just base. I mean, Zappi can't complete a basic pass. And people are wondering why he wasn't benching Mack for Zappi. I think you kind of know. I think the question is, when do they put Malik Cunningham in there? At least uh, they might be better off running the single wing. Yeah, try something at this point. Because, yeah, the offense we saw yesterday, we saw why Mac Jones has been playing. Zappi is not the answer. Like, he's not going to be the savior. Uh, there's, there's no, like, hey, Zappi, come on in and, and, and spark this offense. Like, it's bad. It's, all, it's bad all Two around. of the last three games, they have outgained the, their offense rushing than passing. Yeah. And the Washington game, it was two of the last three. They've out, they've gained more yards pass running than passing, and the Washington game they only threw for six more yards than they ran for. Think about that, Femi. Think about that for a moment. I mean, th- this game you got to go back to the New Orleans game. They threw for 111 yards. This game they threw for 109. Ugh. I mean, the the passing in the last three weeks: 173, 136, 109. It's getting worse. It's getting worse. At least the uniforms were nice. I always like when they wear the red uniforms. Yeah. <laughs> Those are always pretty good. Um, speaking of uh, being on tilt, uh, one game that had me on tilt a little bit was the Lions and the Saints. We were doing the show together yesterday. Uh, when the actives and inactives came out, I went ahead and bet Saints plus four and a half. And it's one of those, you write it off early, Lions get out to that 21 nothing lead, yeah, and then the right Saints there. bring you back in. And all of a sudden, it's like, we're only down three. Here we go. And then at the end, the Lions cover the number. They're winning by five. Derek Carr, unfortunately, he gets hurt there for New Orleans. Jameis Winston finished the game there. But uh, an up-and-down affair to where, once again, Detroit's defense, a lot of question marks, but offensively, it felt like they kind of found themselves again. Yeah, I mean, look, they, yeah, they were great. Come out three, t- three, three straight touchdowns, one off a turnover that they put in the end zone, of course. You, you know, 
uh, and and the Saints were four for four in the red zone. They obviously went yeah. to Taysom Hill, but you know even when they put Winston in, I mean he threw a completion to Olave that got tipped up in the it should have been intercepted. You see that play? <laughs> I tweeted about it. Joe Davis, the play-by-play guy doing the game, he said that's the Jameis Winston experience. I was like, that's a great call. <laughs> it is a great call. <laughs> it's just classic James Elf should be tipped, should be picked. Actually, it's Chris Olave touchdown. I mean, my goodness. Uh, we will get to the best of the rest and hand out some awards as we wrap things up on the other side. This is the GM Shuffle. All right, let's hand out some hardware here on the GM Shuffle Week 13 Awards. And we will start, as we always do, with the Fred Palermo Best Game Plan of the Week, My Michael. My man, Fred. You I wish I'd get Fred on the pod. Fred's 90, going to be 97. God bless him. He's wow. still ticking. You know, and the Fred Palermo, in case anybody doesn't know, is new to the pod. It's, uh, you know, Fred, my uncle. Whenever he took me out to eat, we go to a diner. He would always say, kid, just order the burger. They can't cook it all good. Simplicity matters in game planning. I think that's one of the things that makes the 49ers so good is everybody thinks their offense is complex. It's really not. It's simple. It's varying of formation, and it's simple for the quarterback because when he hits his fifth step or his third step, the game all looks the same to him. So having good game plans and building things together is really important. And I think when you look at yesterday, you got to give, you know, you got to give the Cardinals credit for what they did. You know, in Pittsburgh, being able to handle that game with the weather, an, out, an indoor team from perfect weather comes and plays in this, I don't even know what you want to call it yesterday, yeah. what, what occurred in Pittsburgh. I think they deserve a ton of credit for what they did, especially as bad as they gotten beaten the week before by the Cardinals. This is one of the games I took in, I took in Russo, and once, once Pickett got hurt and MVP Mitch came in, I knew I was in trouble, but... <laughs> I was in trouble anyway because I thought Pittsburgh would dominate, would get the lead early. They kind of settled for a field goal. Pickett couldn't make a play in the red zone. And then they're driving the ball down. I think Bill Cowher said it best. Like, what are we doing in shotgun on, on fourth and inches from the one? Yeah. Like, what are we doing? Fourth and inches in the goal line and we're in shotgun. Like, seriously, like we're, we're just push it forward. Anyway, so uh, I think they did. I also think Steichen. I think Steichen has done a great job of game planning this Colt team around a quarterback who's I, I, who's a backup, but there are moments where you think he could be a middle reliever, meaning he could start six or seven games. I think you're seeing that with Minshew. They've done a really good job. I think defensively they're a disaster. You know, for the Titans, this is the th second game in a row where Minshew has scored, his opponent scored more than 20, and Minshew won the game. Prior to the last two weeks, he was 1-15 in, in that category. One and fifteen, and now he's two. He's three and fifteen. Culture putting it together with duct tape, and you got to credit Shane Steichen with what he's doing. He's starting to get a little yeah. bit of buzz about Coach of the Year. Like if they continue on this run, maybe he'll be deserving at the end of the season. All right, who's the fraud of the week? I mean, how many more times can we make the the Jets the fraud of the week? I mean, you know, I mean, like he went to Tim Boyle. Like Tim Boyle was. Did he watch Tim Boyle play beforehand? I mean, did he watch him before? Did he see any other games of Tim Boyle? But, you know, the thing, I think the deeper issue here, I mean, we talk about how bad the Patriots are offensively, and they are, and they are. And, you know, they have issues. But this Jet team is, is on par with them as, as anything. I mean, they're so bad. They're 32nd on third down. They're 32nd in the red zone. And they can't score either. I mean, now they haven't gotten shut out, but they can't score any points. I mean, the most points they've scored all year is 22 points in the opener. So, oh, no, excuse me, they scored 31 against Denver. So it's going yeah. to be interesting. And, and Elliot was saying in the break that there's speculation that he may go back to Zach Wilson. He goes back to Zach Wilson, the team, will, the team will quit on him. I mean, not that they're not going to quit now, but they might just absolutely not show up. Yeah, and that report is from uh, Zach Rosenblatt, who covers the Jets for The Athletic. He said, I get the sense the Jets are considering playing Zach Wilson again this season. The plan was to sit him the rest of the way, but the QB play has gotten worse. Without him, wouldn't be surprising if Wilson start, started or was number two this week. So we, we might be right back to square one here with Gang Green, which is unfortunate for that team. But hey, uh, such is life in the NFL. Uh, who's going on the lamb? Uh, you know, I'm really disappointed in the Browns' defense. Look, before the game, I went through the Browns' numbers on the road, and, and, and I knew they were not good. But in Denver, they only gave up 269 total yards, right? 
Baltimore, they won that game, but they gave up 373. Now, Baltimore's a really good offensive team. You know, Seattle, they gave up 385. Okay, but they, they lost by four. The Colts with Minshew, they gave up 316. A lot of, you know, excuse me, the Colts and Minshew, they gave up 456. Mm-hmm. Right? So they gave up a lot of yards, right? And, and in Baltimore, they only gave up 306 yards. So they actually played that game really well. And then Pittsburgh, on the road, they gave up 255. So I'm thinking, okay, they're not as, you know, there's against a good quarterback on the road, there's problems, but they can pressure the guy and make plays completely wrong. I mean, they are a good defense at home, don't get me wrong. They're just not a good defense on the road. And you look at the numbers and you see it. I mean, they just haven't been able to produce like they have on the road. Uh, And that's where most of their losses have come. They've won the Colt game on the road. They've won the Baltimore game on the road. But everything else, they haven't been able to do it. And they got to play Cincinnati and Houston on the road. Yeah, it's going to be tough sledding for the Browns, who coming up this week, they host the Jacksonville Jaguars there in that game. Short week for Jacksonville, but hey, you know, it's, we'll see what happens. If you don't know, now you know. Well, I mean, I think it's pretty obvious, right? San Francisco has beaten good teams. They're hard to play. They're hard to beat. They dominate. You know, they've got to stay healthy. I, don't, I think the one thing we said last week, or I said last week, that the, 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 I couldn't say who's a Super Bowl team, who looks like it. I think after last week, you can say San Francisco has all the makings of a Super Bowl winning team. Now, it's got to stay healthy and they've got to play consistently. But I I think you could see by the way they've dominated these opponents in in these games that they're going to be a tough out for any team that plays them. You're going to have to bring your A-plus game to play them if they're healthy. If they are healthy, if Trent Williams stays healthy, if Debo stays healthy and Purdy stays healthy, then that's obviously going to be the key. You know, they've got to be able to do that as they move forward. I mean, I saw a stat somewhere, and I wish I could credit who put it out there, but they said when the Niners' offense has been healthy, like, so Debo, Trent Williams, McCaffrey, Kittle, Ayuk, like, when they're healthy, since they traded for McCaffrey, in 21 games they've all been healthy together, they're 21-0. Like, they have yet yeah, to I mean, lose. They're, like, they're just, they have too many, <laughs> it's like a great basketball team that has too many options. Yeah. But everybody knows their role. Like, nobody leaves the game saying, I, you know, I didn't get the ball here. Yeah, have you heard that? Oh. Do you ever hear Debo or Kittle bitch about not getting the ball? You know, mm-hmm. do you ever hear that? No, of course you don't. I mean, Hayuk, do you ever hear him not getting the ball? Oh, I didn't get the ball. I mean, Ayuk had seven targets. Debo had four. Kittle had six. Jennings had four. And McCaffrey had four targets. That's 25 passes. That's the targets. So, you know, I mean... You got it. You know, they all share the wealth. I mean, they're truly it's kind of what Nick Saban said about his team. Like this is a team. And and I and I keep harping this on the podcast, you know, about the elements of team. It's why the Brady stat with Belichick is so ridiculous, because it, it's it doesn't matter how good of a quarterback you have. If you don't play like a team or have a team element, you can't win. You just can't. You can't beat good teams. And so you need that partnership. And I think that they're a true team. They really are. Alabama, from where they went to. I told you this this summer when I went and spent time speaking to Michigan's team. Yeah. I left there knowing they were a team. Like, I could feel it. They were a team. I mean, nobody complained about not getting thrown the ball in the second half. So, to me, you feel it when you're around the team. You also feel it when you don't have a team. It's one of the things is when you – it's why Bill Walsh always said – you never fix the wide receiver position on your team until your team's completely good. And, and everybody thinks he devalues the position. No. What he didn't want to happen is what happened at the Raiders. You go and trade for a great receiver, and you're not a great team. Then you can't get the ball to that receiver. Now, you've, now you're going to have a t- team in complaint. Yeah. You follow me? So oh, that's, sure. where that, that's, the, or, that's the essence of that line is you got to be – when you go get a great receiver, you got to get them the ball, but you have to have a great team around them. Yeah. No, it's like – because like you said, fractures can start to happen in the locker room. It is what it is. I mean, I feel bad for Florida State. I really do. I mean, I don't think they belong because of the injury to the quarterback. The team I feel really bad for is Georgia. I mean, I feel really bad for Georgia. I mean, they lose by three. <laughs> Nobody would want to play them. What, they are 14-point favorite against Florida State? I, I said on Mitch and Pauly today, if they played, if they played Texas, if Alabama was a five-point dog to Georgia on a neutral field, Texas is going to be a six-and-a-half-point dog on a neutral field to them. 
You know, I, I don't I, like I get all the complaining about Florida State. They're undefeated. They should have gone. They won their conference. They did everything that they had to do. Right. And the, and Boo. I mean, how do you get a name at in the 50s with Boo? Like, I, I don't even know how you do that. But anyway, Boo said that, you know, we're going to pick the four best teams. I, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm a novice at this, but Georgia looks like one of the yeah. four best teams to me. I think that's my biggest gripe is that it's like, hey, we're going to pick the four best, but then we're also going to rank Florida State ahead of Georgia. Like, like, what are we like, – come on. Like, what are we doing? Like, you're clearly clearly, there's a lot of window dressing going on, and it's just uh, – like I tweeted yesterday, thank goodness for the NFL where, like, we can decide this on the field. We all know what it takes to win a championship before the season starts, middle of the season, end of the season. We all know what the, what the rules are. So that's why we love the NFL. Uh, but go yeah, Huskies. But I think what <laughs> – it, but like anything, when you don't have a when you don't have a criteria in place, you, you, you end up with a lot of debate. That's what my whole book, Football Done Right, is all yeah. about is we need a criteria, yep. you know, because now we're just arguing over things. Right. And Florida State, just argue. look, they, they checked all their boxes. Right. Georgia, unfortunately, checked the box at the end of the year. Ohio State checked the wrong box at the end of the year. It affects you. But I think to me, the job of the committee is to pick the four best teams. So you slide after one loss, a three-point game on a neutral field, you go from one all the way down to six. Then you were never really one, were you? No. I mean, following their criteria, you would say, that, hey, they're never, they were never one. But we I mean, you had Alabama at eight, right? Because, look, let's face it, if, if Milrow doesn't make the throw on the, at the corner of the end zone against Auburn, we're not having this discussion. Nope. Georgia's probably – Georgia is in, and Florida State still isn't in. Yep. It was never really about Florida State and Georgia. It was it, it Florida State and Alabama. It was about Florida State and Georgia. Georgia. They're they're covering that shit up like the Kennedy thing. They're gonna they're gonna send out a they they got they got their own version of the Warren Commission in there. They're gonna spread something. It was never about Alabama, Florida State. Who do we like better? No, it was about can we put Georgia in over Florida State? That was the conversation because that's what I'm thinking in my head. You're gonna keep the you're gonna keep the Southeast Conference champion who won everybody's running around clinging to this win that texas had in that nobody mentions the oklahoma game meanwhile arizona is a three-point favorite against oklahoma and they're in, in the alamo bowl well that's i mean well dylan gabriel's now entered the transfer portal which is a whole other discussion <laughs> every quarter has he really yeah kyle mccord entered the transfer portal did you see that this morning the ohio state quarterback I, he's in the portal no. everyone's in the portal michael you get a million dollars in that portal Oh, my God. <laughs> Welcome to college football in 2023. I'm sure we all enjoy it. Uh, real quick, Monday Night Football, Jake Browning and the Bengals against the Jaguars. What do you think happens? I don't see how the Bengals are going to score enough points to keep up with them. This, yeah. this Bengal defense is bad. Yeah. It can't stop anybody. It's tough. Lawrence better play well tonight or else if he don't play good against this team, when's he going to play good? That's a good question. That does it for us on the pod. We'll see you guys on Thursday.